Sports Talk with absolutely no sports talk. Welcome to the latest edition of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to The Athletics college football reporter Chantel Jennings about her goal to train for a marathon, something that is making my back and knees hurt just thinking about <laughs> and we will break down everything from John Elway's fake news to ESPN U becoming ESPN 8 the Ocho officially now the best thing ever from the movie Dodgeball which I yeah. maintain is highly overrated oh my god I'm your co-host Brad Burke I'm a sports marketer in <laughs> Chicago Joining me, ladies and gentlemen, you hear the voice, you hear the laugh, the familiar, uh, jovial lust for life. It's Mr. Joe Reed back in the offices here in Chicago where it all started. Joe, welcome, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, Brad. It's good to be back. It really is. It's It's been good seeing people. It's been weird being back in the office, I'll admit, but uh, it's like um, I'm home, sort of. It, when you said thanks for having me, it's a little like when Andy Samberg comes back to like host SNL. I feel like you've transcended all of us <laughs> losers. We've gone to far, far greener pastures, and we're just like, hey, Joe, when you're around, maybe you can swing by and do like a do like a special show. Thanks for having me. No, it, it greener maybe, but um, no, it's it's good to be back. It's been fun being back and seeing everybody. And uh, I was describing it to someone else. Like it feels like seeing like an ex girlfriend like a little too soon, maybe. Like I've only been gone a few months. I've only oh. been gone, I've been only gone. Okay. To, I've only been, no, no, no. The city, the city itself. I've only been oh, gone a okay. few months, and it's like you get off. And you're like, oh man, this is like weirdly familiar, and I kind of like you, but I'm onto something new now, and I'm trying something different, and it was weird. It was weird. Anyways, that's a weird analogy, I know, but really fueling the fire of what I just <laughs> talked about about feeling abandoned by you, and like uh, where your second choice up, here, buddy. I broke up with everybody, yeah. and I uh, unfortunately am stuck here. For the weekend. Well, speaking of people who uh, are long out of your life, uh, Gareth Hughes, Adam Willard, not here this week, moving around for work. Miss him. And candidly, Joe, with you in the office, I just had to grab your your sketch because you're a busy guy. And I was like, let's yeah. pop in the office and do some JNS, buddy. Exactly. We'll, we'll knock one out. It'll be good. And you were like, J. J what? what is that? Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. All right. Well, hey, lots to do this episode. We're back on the horse. You and me, we're diving in. Right now, we're going to take the open of the show, make it wide open. Anything around the sports world that has nothing to do with sports is fair game. I want to start with the aforementioned Ocho ESPN 8. First of all, I have not thought about the movie Dodgeball in forever. That's true. It When I saw the prom, so that came out when I was a film critic and... Uh, paid film critic for an actual newspaper, not like when I was writing reviews on Medium. So people then paid you to hear what you think. Now you just do it in a podcast for free. <laughs> I didn't know. I wouldn't call this a podcast for free. I spend money on this. <laughs> You're right. You pay, you pay to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking with this dog shit. Uh, but I was excited when I first saw the promos for Dodgeball because I was like, hey, this is going to be hilarious. Like 
yeah. you know, Ben Stiller back to character work. And I thought it was oh no, sort of the, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It, it, it. It's another one of those relatively generic improv based mid 2000 comedies that just kind of like goes on way too long. And you can tell they sat down with these like really talented casts and said like, just riff a little bit, but then no one really had any good ideas and they, piece it together in post and it just seems kind of lazy and out there there you go do you agree or disagree i came at it from a from a different age and a different perspective i think i thought at the time it was hilarious i've not seen it probably in i don't know 10 years right i haven't yeah i haven't thought about the movie i, I there are certain things that stand out um but yeah, I, I I take your word for it that it's a terrible piece of shit movie. Certain certain things like the Ocho. <laughs> so that was yes, oh, 100% like yeah. F&A Cotton. That's a bold strategy. Like Jason Bateman on oh, yeah. the Ocho. I mean, Jason Bateman oh was the Ocho. F and Chuck Norris at the end. Anyway, <laughs> the dodgeball sport is played on and broadcast on ESPN 8. And this is back during a time when America could imagine endless ESPN options. Now oh. they're like laying off. Tons of people right-sizing the operation, Yep, totally trying to transition the business model. But back then it was like, yeah, they're just going to keep expanding. And, and I think it was a, it was a clever tweak on the attitude of the deuce. Cause when ESPN first launched and they had Keith Oldman wearing like a leather jacket as he hosted. Oh, really? Um, the, I remember laughing because I was like, this is the equivalent of when a 45 year old dude goes on the red carpet and he's wearing like an affliction t-shirt and skinny jeans and he's got frosted tips and you're like sir just act your age come on yeah seriously i had no i didn't know i didn't you even, would not have been around for the launch of the deuce you probably i wasn't around born. for keith olberman at espn i mean i wasn't well he was big. i was around probably but i wasn't <laughs> watching it at that time but All that's right, amazing so espn u which covers college sports just decided to take over their their airwaves with the ocho and it was all day. it was all like references to this station and they played all these crazy sports like roller derby and trampoline dodgeball and arm wrestling professional cornhole or bags yeah cornhole ultimate and frisbee like ping pong with your head like that oh sport. i saw that one with like the soccer volleyballs here's yeah. my here's my thing we go round and round and round all the time on whether fs1 should go get skip bayless and pay him 10 million dollars to do an afternoon show that's going to make no no ratings dent at all. Yeah. We have endless conversation about whether Stephen A. Smith um is good or bad for the network, all that sort of stuff. I'm just wondering, why not move back to this? Because don't you think first of all, the enthusiasm for this, I'm not saying it would be sustained. This I'm, was one of my questions. Yeah, Keep going. I'm not saying it's going to be sustained, but I'm saying that sports like curling have proven that if they're on the air, they will find a niche passionate audience. And I'm just wondering if you had like bizarro sports playing during the day and announcers who were taking it semi-seriously, like these people were just having yeah. fun a lot of times. They're goofing around. Would it be more of a sort of real-time Twitter moment than like whatever Colin Coward and Stephen A. Smith are spouting uh, when they're, you know, after five other shows that have already had the same take that morning about LeBron? Yep. I, this was one of my questions. Like, what is, what is, what are the limits of this? Like a one day thing is fun. Could you do this for, could, maybe a, you could probably do this for a week, like fill it you know, a week's worth of championships and tournaments and all sorts of stuff. Do you think you could do this for like more than a month? 
and have it be, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I don't know. I mean, we know we would watch, uh, but we also yeah, that's true. are the only people who devoted our, our very limited free time to discussing Shaquille O'Neal's rapid that's movies. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I okay, you're I right. I think it's a great idea. The, also, why was it on the anniversary of Dodgeball or something? Why, like, what? I don't a, know. Fi, what would we say, 2003? Yeah, I have 15, no idea. 14 year why. I, it was very non sequitur. Like, kind of came out of nowhere. I do think, you know, you're right. Like, people will tune in to watch arm wrestling championships. And they're not going to watch the week to week arm wrestling. Yeah. They'll watch curling at the Olympics. They're not going to watch curling all year round. Although, if, you know, NBC's been experimenting with putting it on the air. But I, I guess I'm wondering if there's like a kind of a cost assessment value judgment to be made here. I'm going full marketing douchebag on this. I, I literally wrote down what is the PR play here yeah, for well, doing something or even like just this? Like, is it just cheaper and easier to do this stuff than like those studio shows? Only you have stuff that actually is back to the roots of what you did. I mean, the events are happening. It's like the, the, the bags tournament is happening. It's just. Can we get two cameras there and pay it? pay a local <laughs> sports announcer, right? Like, and not not pay Stephen A. Smith twenty million dollars a year. I, yeah, I, I would say it's probably an easier lift. I guess I would say less scripting, less. I don't I, know. I guess I would say you're like don't do it every day, but a week a year would be great. Or even if you had this is like what if it was Saturday mornings? Yeah, it's college football. But like if you had a peer like. Every Sunday, I don't know, Saturday nights from like noon to six. You're enraging me. It's like, oh, Saturday mornings. Oh, that's just college football. No, it's getting up and feeding one kid while the other kid is like, I'm thinking from the sports perspective. I'm sure there's a period of time you could find, uh, you know, Taco Tuesdays. Like every day's got a thing. Thirsty Thursdays. Why not make this Ocho something? But I'll give you this. When Gareth and I were in high school, we lobbied success. We had a salad bar. And then one year it it became a, a, a specialty food bar. So every day it was like you could load up on as much spaghetti as you wanted. Then the next day it was tacos. Then the next day it was this. We successfully lobbied for that to become a permanent taco bar. And then we stopped eating it. And the principal was like, you guys legit made me change this. Why aren't you eating it? And we were like, too much of a good thing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like in, in classic, like shitty high school. I'm persona, sure your classmates like, loved you. Sorry, bro. Like, just filled up on that. Jeez. That's the Ocho. That's so the it was probably, of the Ocho. it was, I bet you that first week of them changing the policy was great. Like two or three days oh. of it was like, oh my God, Loaded all the nachos up. and burritos I can eat. And then after like two weeks, you're like, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. And look, man, I, uh, on. <laughs> That that senior year, we brought four, 14 or 15 boxes of cookie crisp, put it in a huge like industrial like cooking thing, yeah. poured in like three things of milk, and then everyone went around it like a trough, and we ate it together, which is still the grossest thing I've ever done. Is that why you don't like gum? How did you do right. that? How would how did Let's how did the Brad that I know? I know I've changed a lot over the years. Jeez Louise! All right, well that, enough about the Ocho Joe wide open. What's on your mind? So uh, the wide open that I wrote down, this is could be like sort of tangentially sports related. S- speaking of like sports and how they're broadcast and how we consume them. There's been a lot of conversation about streaming services lately. Yes. Uh, Disney is pulling all of their content, anything they own off of yes. Netflix in the hopes soon, maybe this fall or next year, starting a Disney streaming service. And then it was released that there were internal conversations about there being not just a Disney one, but a specifically Star Wars and Marvel streaming service. Right. And everybody online is talking about streaming services are just going to be the new cable thing. 
It's going to be That's like, right. tired of all these streaming services? Just bundle them into one and pay us $50 a month. It's like, what are yes. we doing here? Or, <laughs> excuse me, or we're going to move to what I call, we've always wanted a la carte, which yes. is, I want to get cable, but I only want to get these 14 channels. They will never do that because then there's no incentive to create the channels because you don't have the guaranteed audience. That was the cable problem and quagmire for decades, for at least 15 years. Also resulted in me going to Time Warner Cable, <laughs> complaining that I, I had the NFL Network, but I, they were blacking out the Bengals game due to a contract dispute in my region. And I was like, I want to make a, is there a suggestion box that I can put down? Like, I want you to, you know, put this game on. Yeah. And they were like, oh, sir, but if we do that, then like, like a little lady on the street would have to like pay for the NFL network when she's not watching it. And I was like, I don't care. I'm paying. I, I think there's more of me than her. I'm going to win this, make her pay. <laughs> but all a cart lets you everyone pick what they want. Yeah. I think now we're moving for like, the, you're right. The pendulum swings, but it swings out of whack. We're moving to a place now where you're going to see hyper a la carte. It's going where it's way gonna be too like, far the other direction. Yeah, the Mar no one needs the Marvel streaming. I don't service, need a Star Wars the streaming. Only service. way you can like stream. Who's going to pay for Star that? Wars or something? I got like, HBO, Netflix, and Hulu. I don't even think I need Hulu, but it's like give me two or three of them: one for movies, one for TV, one for sports. I'll go a step further. Pretty soon, you might just see like Stranger Things. Just feels like they're gonna make it and put it out on YouTube like a Louis CK album. I'm yeah. just going to release it like, on my website. They're going to sell it. exclusive advertising within it, make all the money off that advertising That's and like just shoot it out. So you might even move to hyper a la carte where it's not just about the provider or not just about the franchise. It becomes about the individual thing, which yeah. like you said, is already happening in comedy. It's already happening in music. And like, yeah, that, that world that. is just going to be an, a, a fully on demand world, which Sounds cool, but you're right. There are ramifications for that, which is where prices go up for the things that are in demand. Yep. And now you might be paying a lot more for things you used to just be able to get in the old model. It's like, what the hell are we doing? I just don't understand it. Anyways, I wanted to get your thoughts. Then get cable. No. Then go backwards. Cable's freaking 150 bucks a month. I don't watch half that shit. No. <laughs> I need less me. I need less stuff going into my eyeballs every day from my computer to my TV to Question. everything. Do you... Did, when was the last time you actually listened to this show? Uh, the last time I edited it, which was <laughs> which was three weeks ago, maybe. So you you're not even you don't even have time to listen to your own media. Let alone oh yeah, I'm anybody just, else's. I'm just spitting it out and I'm not taking anything back in. Exactly. <laughs> all right, all right. That's what I got. That's yeah, what I, no, I want to hear. Thoughts. It's good. It's a good yeah, I feel like it's out it's of got, control. We're in the media world. It's got sports culture ramifications. It's going to be ironed out, but it might take five, six years, and then you're going to see a lot more clumsy attempts to fix it. And you're going to see just well, like ESPN. CISO, the NBC comedy thing, that just died. Like, that's done. Right. Like, they're going to start dropping off the map. And just like you're seeing, uh, just like you've seen, uh, you know, ESPN dominate the old cable model, the, the, the there'll be new players that start to infiltrate and dominate these new models in ways that are both good and bad. Yeah. All right. I got to real quick. I want to do an intervention. Oh, God. John Elway, legend <laughs> in the Denver Broncos, uh, both as a legend in the NFL for the Denver Broncos, both as a, a, a player and an executive. John Elway 
got on the fake news bandwagon this past week. Uh, there were rumors about a potential trade for my team's backup quarterback, AJ McCarron. And he tweeted rumors of us being interested in anyone other than the QBs we have is another example of irresponsible fake news, exclamation point, exclamation point. Mm. I don't normally check back in with Keith Olbermann too much, but his tweet, I think, summed it up nicely, which was, don't even start with this shit, Elway. (laughs) (laughs) We are already living in a time when we are needlessly trying to debase all institutions. I get it. I'm an an iconoclast. We're just talking about hitting home on Disney and other things like that. I have some other stuff coming up in distractions about uh, I'm all for, you know, uh, healthy debates about what's good, what's bad in terms of media. But the fake news thing needs to stop. It's played out. And if we're at a point now, this is that sliding scale of like, if Trump's out there tweeting about CNN is, is fake news, then that becomes Mike Cernovich tweeting CNN is ISIS, which becomes somebody else, you know, taking it a step further. And now we have fake news became... Uh, you know, for around politics has become fake news on a, a a local radio hack can't even throw out like this backup quarterback might get traded without it being like all oh, this the is the head fake of the news. organization saying can exactly. we can we not get to a place where AJ McCarron's trade value is feeding the narrative that is that is undercutting all institutions in America and I know I'm making the jump there but John. It Come is on. a slippery slope right now, buddy. Oh, very. You got to pull back. Do not do this again. Do not bring fake news into the sports uh, rumor mill. Rumors are a part of sports. Sometimes they're right. Oh, sometimes they're wrong. Conjecture, yeah. But this is trivial garbage. No one is going to be affected if AJ McCarron is traded or not, except AJ and the family he has to move to Denver. Is that It an- doesn't need to go this way. Apart from the fake news, how do you feel about those trade rumors, Brad? (laughs) That's sports. Here's my other question. What are the chances that this is just tongue-in-cheek Elway being like, "Uh uh-oh, this is just silly fake. I don't think it was. I mean, it's hard to tell because he did have two exclamation points. But I feel like... If it was one, would it be... I don't know. It would have been if he just did hashtag fake news. Wink. Your, for emoji. some reason, the ha- the hashtag would have made it more lighthearted. You're saying, yeah, or like another emoji, but irresponsible, comma fake news, exclamation point, exclamation point. He takes it seriously. And then they did a huge offensive where like unnamed Broncos people were like out hammering that. It's a sports rumor. Do not pull sports into this Trump versus media narrative. It yeah. is so silly. And I'm I'm telling you this, America, listen to this, everybody. Quiet. Listen, I was a reporter in a local city like Peoria, (laughs) Illinois, a mid-sized city. Okay. No one likes the, no one likes the media until something goes wrong in their life. And then we were the first call. Yeah. Oh, this is happening in my neighborhood. Can you believe this happened? Nobody's doing anything. Go do a story on it. Help me out. Everyone hates the media until the media can help you or until you're uninformed about a topic and then you go back and you wish the media had reported it yep. or you realize they were reporting it. They were reporting that your sidewalk was going to get chewed up for uh, maintenance. And then you realize it had been covered by your local paper 15 times in different bulletins and notices that you never, 
you never saw. Do not demonize all of the news. Just don't. It's not worth it. John Elway, you have better things to do. Like, maybe <laughs> find a quarterback. That's true. No, but One they're happy. not mine. They're happy with the two that they have, Brad. <laughs> what about now? Here's a so they gave an exclamation point for both the quarterbacks they're happy with in that tweet. Oh, God. All right. That's wide open. Boom. Right now, we're going to our interview with Chantel Jennings, who is joining the Athletics College Football site. Very exciting new hires there. Stuart Mandel, who will be editor in chief of it. Nicole Auerbach, friend of show, who came on Just Not Sports to talk about her love of Parks and Rec and looking like Aubrey Plaza. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great one. And so we're going to sit down and talk to Chantel about training for a marathon. She's got a great story and reason for why she's doing it. Uh, A lot of people who have done marathons for friends or for causes can really relate to this. So stick around. It's a lot of fun. And then Joe and I will return with our distractions. Stick around. You're starting a new job with the Athletic College Football um, site coming out, I think, later this month. Have you guys picked a firm launch date yet? Yes, August 28th. So it's less than two weeks away. We're really, uh, it's exciting. I haven't really been a part of a startup before. I was only employed by ESPN before this and then my college newspaper. So it's a very different feeling going from a company of thousands to you know, we all met in Dallas last week and sat around a table together and we were like, well, this is us. Okay. So it's a very different feel. <laughs> yeah. And look, you got a great roster of talent. I mean, we, we defiantly do not talk sports on our show, so I'm not going to ask you about um, the upcoming season, but I, I will just say I, we are, we do work in sports on, you know, uh, and, and I'm very intrigued by what the athletic is doing. I think there's a lot of fingers crossed uh, that this model is going to continue to grow and have success. And I mean, are you excited about I mean, you mentioned startup. I mean, are you excited about that piece of it as much as uh, clearly the opportunity to continue to cover college football? But you guys are kind of venturing into the space and a lot of the media world are watching and taking notes. Yeah, it's a really different feeling just because, um, you know, I can't count the number of people who've reached out to me within the media world, people who would be quote unquote competitors or see us as a quote unquote competitor and said to me, you know, we're pulling for you. We really hope this works, Hmm. you know, to see a place that is not only investing in journalism and storytelling, but investing heavily and only doing that. Um, You know, that we aren't going to have autoplay videos. We aren't going to have ads on the site. It is different. And I think everyone is a little bit cautious, but also optimistically cautious. And to have other people within the industry sort of pulling for you is really, really cool. And and for me, just to be a part of a startup is very funny. I had a an issue, not even an issue. I think, you know, something happened last week. I got a paycheck early. I thought it was early. And I texted one of the founders and said, hey, I thought I wasn't getting this for another week. And I was talking about it with my boyfriend. He was like, isn't it crazy that, you know, you went from a company of thousands where, you know, you probably had all this different stuff. And now you text the founder when you have this <laughs> issue that's going on. And one founder said, well, I think you have to talk to the other founder. And I, I texted him and he goes, no, you have to talk to this other guy that we just hired. And so there's sort of, you know, we're still all figuring out uh, as a growing company, who does what, um, when we're doing stuff, when it's happening, but it's all very exciting. And I'm, you know, it's been a long time since I was this excited about what I'm writing going into a season. 
And I mean, like any exciting time, the, the thing you really want to do is add hours and hours and hours of, of in, endurance athletic training to your schedule every day, which is what you've done. You're, you've taken on a marathon coming up. I believe it's your first. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm, and I'm curious, uh, you know, first of all, wh- which marathon are you running and when is it? So I'm running the Portland Marathon. It is October 8th or 9th, uh, whatever that first weekend of October is. And not only is it my first marathon, it will be the first time that I've uh, ever raced anything longer than a 5K. And the only 5K I raced was when I was like a freshman in high school. (laughs) (laughs) So zero to 60. Well, good job. Uh, The first lesson of marathon running is pacing yourself. And you are uh, not doing that right now. You're starting with with the internet. And Portland is no joke. Now, I've worked um, through my day job. I've done some work with um, like the Nike project folks up there. Um, uh, you know, Shanane Flanagan, um, and, uh, uh, you know, Dathan Rittenheim and, and, and those folks. And that's a, it's a hilly area, right? I mean, you're going to have to deal with, uh, not just the, the, the length, but you're not, you're not on a flat surface, like in the Chicago land area and things like that. It's not completely flat, although they have yet to officially decide the course. The last I checked, there's sort of an ongoing debate between the race organizers and the city right now as far as the exact route of the course. And so I don't I don't even know what it is exactly. I know every year up until this point, they have involved this bridge called the St. John's Bridge in Portland. And there's a really, really brutal hill, yeah. um, which probably will feel like a six mile incline. I'm sure it's like a quarter mile, uh, but it's it's going to be tough. Uh, but (laughs) I'm excited. You know, I, I started all of this training when I was, um, after I'd been laid off from ESPN. And so, like you said, it's, it's kind of hard to balance everything in my life right now, but I started a lot of my training and and the first half of my training really was done when, you know, I wasn't working. So it wasn't, it wasn't quite as tough. And there's a backstory to, to why you're doing it as well. That's a little bit more personal, correct? Yeah, I have a a friend that I knew from my hometown back in Michigan, Jordan, and she has sort of run the gamut of health issues. She's had everything from RSD, reflex, sympathetic disorder, um, to having a J tube, which is a feeding tube, uh, put in and, you know, every bacterial and viral infection you can imagine, she's kind of fought it. And she's without a doubt, the strongest person I think I've ever known. And about a year and a half ago, my younger sister and I were both friends with Jordan. Uh, we were trying to think about ways that we could support her from afar. You know, she's in Michigan. I'm out in Portland. I don't see her very often. I haven't seen her in years. But, you know, how can you support someone who's sort of fighting this daily battle? And she was very active. She actually ran the Chicago Marathon when she was healthy for a brief stint of time. And we came up with an idea that we could have a Facebook group where people – ran their workouts or went to yoga or did a bike race or, you know, even if it's just walking your dog and sort of putting all of it together because she's mostly bedridden now and in a wheelchair and you upload a photo, you kind of say what you were doing. And every day, every other day, she logs onto it and she checks it and she responds to everyone. And she's reached out quite a few times and just said what it's meant to her to have sort of active support, not just people who say, you know, I feel for you, I'm praying for you. And that's obviously helpful in times like that. And we're doing that as well. But to have someone who was really active, who played high school basketball, who was a skier and a swimmer and ran a marathon and played netball, um, to sort of have people who are doing sports for her in her name, 
is is really powerful for her and also for us as the athletes. You know, there's a lot of times when I get to mile 13 of 14 and I'm like, ah, what does the last mile matter? And <laughs> the mantra of our group is just, you know, like what, you know, Jordy, if she was here, she would run this last mile. So let's kick some butt and do it. That's awesome. Um, you know, my wife has run the marathon three times, um, uh, you know, before we, uh, before we had kids and I, the very few things are as inspiring as watching the athletes, you know, complete the course and seeing how many different people are doing it for reasons. Like you just said, they're, they're running on others behalf or they're raising funds for a cause or they're running in the, in the memory of, of someone who's passed away. Or I, it, it, to me, the entire vibe is, is can be very inspiring, especially around the finish line. So have you ever, have you ever even been to a marathon or, or, or watched one, or is this like your first step into this world entirely? No, I actually, I really enjoy watching marathoning. Uh, I'm one of those people who gets up and streams the Boston Marathon on Marathon Monday. Um, <laughs> Very good. I watch it during the Olympics. My my boyfriend ran the LA Marathon two years ago, which was actually a very cautionary tale. That was one of the hottest LA marathons on record. And they even started it early. Um, and he crossed the finish line and was mostly catatonic <laughs> like, yeah. didn't recognize me. So that was very scary, but I agree with you. There's something really inspirational about it. I was in DC a few summers ago for the women's half and my friend, I had a good friend who was running it. So we went out to support her and run, I forget where, but you could see the Capitol. We're on this road, we're cheering her on. And I remember getting there early and the first woman came through and it was just this really awesome feeling of just like, what a badass. And she was obviously running incredibly fast. She was a professional runner. I forget who it was. Um, but just this incredible strength and beauty and all of this stuff like running by you and you get emotional just watching and even, you know, to see the men do it. It's, it's an unbelievable thing. It's, it's not normal. It's not natural. I don't think I'm going to enjoy it in the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not someone who up until this point is would say that I enjoy running, but it's been really interesting to sort of learn how to do this thing that a lot of people really do enjoy and, and finding moments where I enjoyed it. I wouldn't say that I, that I love every run I go on, but it's good to now know what a good run feels like versus a bad run. What's the longest that you've had to run thus far in your training? I am up to 15. I'll do a 16 miler this Sunday. Um, and then the longest I'll go before the marathon's 20. Wow. I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're getting ready to go out for a run, you, you put on the shoes, you're at the door. What's it like staring down a 15 mile distance, 16 miles? Like, how do you mentally just not turn back in and say, this was a bad idea? <laughs> That's a good question because there have definitely been a few days where uh, I don't run until like seven o'clock at night because I spend the entire oh. day going to the front door and then sitting back down and watching an episode of West Wing. Um, so <laughs> I have found for me, the best thing to do is just to run really early in the morning because yeah. it takes a little while for my brain to turn on. And so if I can hit the road before my brain is telling me this is crazy, don't do this. Um, I normally can start. And at that point, once you start going, you're like, ah, I'm already three miles and I'll just do the next six. <laughs> um, so that's been really good, but also just learning about, you know, I did last weekend, I think it was, I did, um, an 11 mile run and it just sort of learning to listen to your body has been really, really beneficial through all of this training. I, 
I definitely didn't listen to my body and I wasn't smart leading up to that day. I'd been hydrating really well for probably the week going into that 11 miler and it's not the furthest I'd run. And so I sort of had this idea in my head of, oh, it's only 11, you know, I can crank this out. It'll be fine. No problem. And I, for the most part, forgot to eat leading into that run. And I ended up running around 2 p.m. And I'd only had part of a burrito bowl, um, like a like a rice bowl type thing and a handful of pretzels and maybe uh, I think a coffee. And so I got through the run just fine and then got back to the house and showered and then essentially passed out because I was so dehydrated and had nothing in my system. And uh, it was really scary because I haven't, you know, I haven't been to that place. Um, I, I was not, I am not, and I was not like a college athlete or a top flight athlete. And so to push my body to a place where it literally shut down and it only, you know, it was my fault. I knew I should have hydrated better, but it was just, you know, I got in my head that it's Sunday. It's my long run day. I've got to do this. Um, But it was a good lesson too, as far as, you know, you can, you can apply it to lots of places in life, but as far as filling yourself up or, you know, making sure you're ready to do whatever you're about to do, especially when it's an 11 mile run in 75 degree heat. (laughs) Well, the number one thing people do wrong in marathon training is they don't train their nutritional regimen in, in, Mm -hmm. in alignment with what they're going to do on race day. Is that stuff that, that you've built into your program or, um, uh, that you're mindful of? So I, I had done really well up until last Sunday as far as fueling and starting around 10 miles is when I would try stuff out. And I've been experimenting with different stuff. And I have my vest that I wear that has a pocket if I want a camelback on the back, but also two water bottles um, kind of on my shoulders or my um, my chest. And I'll use that, I think, for the marathon just so that I, I know how I'm feeling, at least for the first 17 miles and then maybe take that off and hand it to a friend who's who who might come out and run the last part because at that at that point you know the last six to eight miles is just guts yeah and so uh yeah i've tried different stuff i i attempted a goo packet during my 15 or my 14 miler and that did not go well um uh. My wife was going to ask you, do do you do gels and goos? That's her least favorite thing of it. And she said she would always gag. There's something about it that she just couldn't handle. What was your experience like? Yeah, I threw up. Oh, (laughs) sorry. How how visual you wanted me to be. I had, you know, I think I was eight or nine miles into it. And I'd got the citrus flavor because I figured, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, And I had tried it a little bit before my run. And I I thought, oh my gosh, this is really horrible. It's, It's sort of, for anyone who hasn't done it, it's, like a slimier version of toothpaste, but it definitely gets stuck in between your teeth. And so you have that, that taste in Uh. your mouth, especially when your mouth's a little more dry when you're running. And so at at mile eight or nine, I took out my second packet and I was just going little by little and that was tolerable. And I guess the idea is that when you do a goo, you take a mile to eat it. If you want, maybe the really intense people can just sort of do it in one shot, but uh, less experienced runners sometimes just do little by little, slow and steady. And I carried it with me for maybe a quarter of a mile and I just, you know, squeezed it in my hand and I was like, geez, there's so much left in here. I'm just going to go for it. And I did. And then I threw up, (laughs) not not the way to go. And so I've been experimenting. There are like blocks. I think there are like Gatorade blocks or goo blocks or something that more 
sort of like uh, like Sour Patch Kids without the sugar a little bit. Those are a little bit better. I think I'm going to attempt during my long run this Sunday to fill one of my water bottles with Gatorade to see if, um, you know, a water Gatorade combo might be more helpful. But it's, you know, I, I had never really run more than three or four miles before this. I've, I've never gotten to the point in a run where I get hungry or really get thirsty or really need something. Uh, so it's been a learning experience. What about music? Do you do you have do you listen to music while you run or podcasts or do you just like the the sound of the open road? I cannot do the open road quite yet. I have <laughs> one of my good friends growing up who is an incredible runner. She's really fast. She was an all-American steepler in college, so she's the craziest kind of runner. Um She's all about, you know, oh, I'll go run with you and we can we can run together. This will be great. And I'm like, I don't want to talk while I run. I want to use all of my energy. Oh, for yeah. And she's like, oh, I'll just talk to you. You can listen. It'll be fine. I was like, I'm, I'll do music. I would feel bad. You'd be running so much slower than you're used to. She says it's great to talk and run. Maybe some point I'll get to that level where I feel, you know, if, if someone's my pace and we're running together, maybe that'll be fine. Um, it just wins you more though. There's an, I, I've never understood how people can do that because you're just, you're just messing with your breathing cadence. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. So for right now I I have Spotify playlists that I listen to and then I'll do a, you know, fresh air podcast every now and then if there's something I want to listen to. I found that I think when I was a high school athlete, you know, you listen to this like pump up music and it was all like heavy and fast and loud. And now I listen to very chill music when I run because I find that it helps me if the music is too energetic or too loud or hmm. the beat is like too fast. I go faster and rather than just sort of listening to my body and feeling relaxed and calm, um, because there is that point you hit when you're just sort of gliding. And I've, I've found that place earlier and earlier in my runs. And so if I'm listening to more like my playlist, which is chill, I, I feel more comfortable during my runs. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Like what, what's on your playlist? Give us some examples. Oh, geez. I can pull it up right now. Let's see what we've got. And do you here. always kind of start with the same, like Kelly, uh, my wife would always say, uh, I start with the same song every run just because she wanted to develop a, uh, like a, like a routine. You, you if you're listening to playlists, I'm guessing you are, you are, uh, you know, diverging f- from that and just kind of listening to whatever it, it pops up. Right. Yeah, I actually make a different playlist for every long run so that I don't get too bored by anything I'm yeah. listening to. But for the most part, it's a lot of the same artists. I listen to a lot of Simon and Garfunkel, Ed Sheeran, James Bay, like One Republic. One of my like, you know, I listen to like Africa by Toto. Oh, Anderson yeah. Ghost. So just sort of <laughs> very um, wide ranging, but still sort of the same idea as far as nothing that is going to make me too energetic and think that I feel like knocking off a, a seven minute mile right in the middle of a long run. Let's talk race day. Do you think you will be a high fiver on the course or just head down, get to the finish line? <laughs> I haven't thought about that. That's a good question. Um, I suppose it'll, it'll depend on how I'm feeling. <laughs> um, I, I hope I'm a high fiver. I like cheering for those people. I have a few friends who have already started thinking about posters that they will make. Uh, I always like seeing the creative posters on the race, even if you're just going out to cheer or uh, support other people. I would guess it'll high five the people I know, but unless it's too far out of my way, 
I'm definitely going to conserve my energy. And so if it's, you know, if I'm on the right side of the course and someone's on the left, I might give them a wave, but I probably won't go all the way over <laughs> to high five them. Uh, I guess their loss and my loss, but that's, you know, yeah. 26 miles. I plan to run exactly 20, 26.2 miles, nothing more. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then it's just, just done. Go right to the, then, uh, to the silver foil wraps and the, uh, and the beer tent. Exactly. Um, now my wife, here's a pro tip from her. She mm-hmm. says, bring your own toilet paper to the starting line because <laughs> they have porta potties okay. set up and the nerves kick in and it, you have to go. And then by the time you get in there, uh, it's, you know, it's all used up. So I don't know. You don't have to comment on that, but she was like, make sure you say, bring, bring a little bit of toilet paper and you can always just ditch it or leave it. Um, but don't expect it to be waiting for you. So it's getting a lot more personal than I thought it would get. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, uh, the, I appreciate the pro tips though. Yes. Will, no, that's, uh, that's straight sort of advice straight, straight from her. And then I would say, I was going to ask you like people run in costumes. Do you think you're going to be aggravated when some guy dressed as like a lobster or left shark from the Super Bowl like passes you? Are you, are you going to be able do you like the pageantry and just the fun? And it's like, do whatever you got to do. Yeah. I don't think I will have, again, I am, I'm not a runner runner. And so I don't know how much, I don't want to ex- expend any extra energy getting mad about stuff or yeah. running across the course to say hi to anyone. You do you. It's all about having a good time. And if you have the best time running 26 miles in a shark suit, go for it. <laughs> um, if it's a unitard, if it's a, a Speedo, like do whatever you want to do. I'll probably just wear shorts and a tank top and um, my little vest thing. The one thing I have found that I really like that someone asked me if it was a fashion statement was I wear half calf socks, uh, like the taller ones. Oh. And, uh, my, a lot of athletes wear them in college and I thought, oh, you know, it's just to, they, they're wearing them to accentuate their calf muscles or something. I don't know. I, they're just very athlete And my younger sister had played soccer at Michigan. She always wore them at Michigan. And I assumed it was just one of those things, but I found that I love them because when you wear shorter socks, sometimes those dip below your shoes and you're into a run and you have a good pace going and suddenly you have to stop to pull your socks up a little bit. And so I would say as far as back to your gear question, even that's sort of the one thing that I've become married to over my training is these half calf athlete socks, as I would call them. Uh, <laughs> I've really enjoyed those. And, and you've got the season coming up. The marathon's going to be on a Sunday. Like, are you at all concerned about balancing work with this as, as you know, look, your job is very intense. The, the, the college football season is, uh, you know, once they kick off, it's kind of nonstop day to day with storylines and things happening. Uh, or do you feel like now because you're this far into it that you've got your routines down and and it's not going to be too hard to, uh, to get to the finish here? Yeah. I think the nice thing And to kind of go back, when I was, after I'd gotten laid off from ESPN and before I had signed on with The Athletic, I didn't necessarily think I was going to be back in college football full-time this season. Right. I I was exploring a lot of options and trying to figure out what it was that I really wanted to do moving forward. And Stu and Dan came to me with this opportunity and I said yes, but it was literally during our conversations when we were discussing the job and I said, listen... I signed up for a marathon and I fully intend to go through with it. And so if that is a deal breaker for you guys that, (laughs) you know, I'm going to be doing this and that, you know, a month before on a Sunday, which will be, gosh, I guess, you know, 
September 17th, I'll have my 20 mile run. So three weeks before I think, um, you know, I, I don't want to travel that weekend and I don't want to travel the weekend of, um, of the actual marathon. And they said, yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Don't worry about it. So they've been really understanding. And I think the, one of the things that is going to make our site different to give it a little bit of a plug here, um, you know, we're not necessarily chasing and reacting to all of the sort of things that pop up during the day. Obviously news matters to us and we'll, we'll react and we'll hopefully break that accordingly. But you know, if someone says something silly or posts an Instagram or, you know, says something outrageous, I don't have to go track them down or their or their sports information director down to get a comment type of a thing. And so this job is a little different in that I've been able to space it out better. I'm mostly I'm really only working on long form features. And so I tell my editor, you know, I'm, I'm out for the next two hours because I'm doing whatever run. He's like, OK, fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's not, it hasn't been a problem. I don't see it being a problem. It's, it's nice to sort of have something where, uh, you know, they don't bother me. And I, I do turn my phone off for the most part or put it in, you know, whatever mode so that they, uh, it won't get through to me. And they know that I'm not going to pick up when I'm on my long runs. Well, I'm excited. We are, I mean, you've given us a ton of time talking about this. Um, it's, it's, it's a great cause. I mean, you know, running for your friend, are you, are you, I hope you're going to be posting some updates on training on Twitter or do you, do you just kind of keep it close to the, close to the vest? I haven't yet just because I don't know if people would really be interested in it. Do you think people? Oh yeah. Now we host the only sports show that talks to sports people about stuff that has nothing to do with their day job. So we might not be the best barometer of interest since that's all we mm-hmm. do. But I look, I think you'd be surprised how many people, have run marathons or uh, or are avid runners and just how I think that community is super supportive. So if you mm-hmm. if you do talk about it, I would expect that you a lot of your followers would probably be super excited. Yeah, I guess I could. It's just for me, it's been a lot of the same as far as like, yep, ran again. <laughs> Hopefully this gets better. Hopefully I don't hate this as much tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> sort of just just getting through just little by little. So maybe I'll start posting some updates. I think right now my Twitter feed, other than football, is mostly dedicated to the puppy. It so, is. The puppy uh, is adorable. Um, and did, did you say you do have a target time? Are you trying to hit a certain mark or is it just, hey, just just first one, get to the line? I would like to go sub four, which I think is averaging about nine minute miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not elite by any stretch of the imagination, but again, that's not really my goal. So I would just like to to enjoy myself and finish it. Well, <laughs> we'll any see. anyone who says that's not elite can feel free to go run 26.2 miles at a nine minute pace and let me know just how not elite that is. <laughs> it's definitely, it's weird to just sort of even looking back at the beginning of my training and to now it's if even if someone wants to run a half marathon, even if you're just walking or something to sort of see how your body reacts over time to doing something like this. And even the mental sort of fortitude and commitment it takes to do it. It's, it's been really helpful because again, when I was laid off, I, for the most part, you know, I was being paid to not write. And so I couldn't write, I couldn't work. And I thought, well, you know, I have to have some semblance of, structure in my life. And the best way to do that was to implement my own structure. And part of that was my training plan. And it's, uh, it's been really cool. I highly recommend it to anyone. I am not a runner. I would not consider (laughs) myself a runner and I'm doing it. So 
I would really think that if, if I can do this, anyone can do this. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media do cool things away from sports. And then we, in the collective fake news universe, Elway, rip those people to new ones because they're not watching game film and being a robot automaton with no personality. This is meaningless. Do not do this. We support (laughs) athletes, coaches, people in media being interesting because all life is is work and the things that distract us from work. So, Joe, we celebrate the distractions. You want to start us off? You want me to start us off? I got two. Well, then please start us off so we don't double up on the Joe and just overdose America. That would not be good. All right, so we're going to start with with Brad and Joe reunion show question. So I think I've used this as a distraction before. It's been a distraction for months. Um, and I think I have turned it. Would you call it a, a robot automaton? I think I have turned into one of those. <laughs> Alina and I both have, um, is wedding planning is preparing. Oh yeah. I'm getting married, uh, in a few weeks. And so my distraction has just been preparing has been, has been, um, who's doing readings, who's taking the shuttle, who's, who's eating chicken tacos versus who's having hot, you know, whatever it is. So my question to you, Brad is from one currently married to one soon to be married man. Is there any advice you would give? Maybe we can have Gareth do a remote call in for this one too. And Adam, listen up, you know, who knows? Um, yeah. Advice from one married man to another for, for a soon to be newlywed. What would you, what would you say as for far the as wedding getting, or for the actually? Yeah. First few, what, I don't know for changes that happen in the first few weeks or what to expect on the way. I feel like wedding day to me is going to be, having shot many of them for, uh, from a uh, video production perspective, it's like a whirlwind. Oh, it, yeah. It, like, it hey, like, what'd, you have for, what'd you have for lunch today? Oh, I went out and got tacos. Okay, from then to now, that was your wedding. That was your wedding day. Boom. Yeah, it, it happens with the ferocity of a fast afternoon at work where you're really busy. Yeah, that's what I feel. It's just going to be like, I'm going to be saying hi to people. I'm not even going to pay attention to what's going on with food and music and who's. It's just, it's going to be a whirlwind. That's what I expect to happen. Yeah. And then... You just hit the bed and then you kind of soak it all in the next few days and weeks and you talk about it and you look at pictures and I feel like the day is going to be crazy. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, okay, so for newlywed phase. Yeah, I mean, you're still you're still in that honeymoon phase. So, oh, yeah. After after seven years, I mean, it's just nothing but nonstop, you know, I know Gareth and his wife are too. I mean, nonstop newlywed vibes. Oh, yeah. Especially with two kids. Um, Love them. Look, I think number one, prepare for a, I guess, prepare for sameness. I've talked to yeah. a number of people who, especially because you guys live together. Yep. You've just undergone a move, which is a huge kind of shift in your life. And then you come back and you're like, oh, we're married now and everything's just the same. And some people get a little down about it or a little I I get that. disappointed. But then the other person sees they're disappointed and they, well, now, what you're having second thoughts or things are weird. Like, oh, yeah. It's just a lot of room for misinterpretation. Yeah. When a lot has not changed except for the sort of cultural distinction of we're married now. Yep. So I mean that's number one. And then I would say after that, you know, just stick to stick to your plan as it pertains to your life milestones. 
Because once you're married, there can be intenser or excuse me, more intense pressure to have kids oh, or more expectations intense pressure of, to do well, certain now, things. If X, then Y, you know. Right. Or like my wife and I waited probably three years before we even merged bank accounts. Yeah. Um, I think specifically because she probably expected to leave me. Or she, <laughs> she was like, I, you know, Brad's got zero money. What's the point? <laughs> yeah, I was a. I was, uh, she, I was there was sticker shock for how little was in the account. Yeah, no, no totally. I, you know, I think we just, you know, we took our time just sort of wading into things. There's no, I mean, there's no pressure to do anything. You yeah. just, sure. It, life got a little bit different, but you're not, I guess you, you just don't have to, you know, don't be afraid to just stay the course and don't be afraid of staying the course. Yeah, I guess that's why I would sum up the two diametrically, diametrically I, opposed pieces of advice it. I gave you. No, it's good. What's what's the thing you're most worried about? As far for a sort of newlywed phase. Yeah. Um. You know, I finally, don't know. Finally taking it to that that final level. Oh my god! Rounding third base. It's just going to be a momentous a momentous event. Um, <laughs> I for one of you. I had yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of I hadn't thought of that sort of. I'm sort of fully expecting it to be very similar to things now only you know you call her by a sort of a different pronoun and um she changing her name uh we actually don't know yet she's yeah my wife did not neither gareth nor my wife changed their names in my mind it's you've been this person for the last 20 some odd years you know that's who you are that's your identity like that's great my mom gave the advice to my brother once and she said no matter what you do the kids are going to be or because of because of when you have kids, you're going to become Mrs. Reed. Like it's just kids like neighbors I've become Mr. Cantwell to a lot of people. Oh, like when I get calls and they're like, like one time I was like really having it out with like a travel site or something. And they're like, Mr. Cantwell, we apologize. Like, just stop calling me. That's not my name. <laughs> I was like, you're not making this any better. You don't know who I am. So uh, that's yeah, what I expect. You're right. The identity yeah. merges anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the. I'm really not worried about anything afterwards. I don't know. I would. I mean, you guys, you guys seem super happy. I wouldn't worry too much about. It. Like I said, I think some. It, it, sometimes people get married for the wrong reasons. Yeah. They're under pressure to get married. They. Uh, uh, you know, I, and look, I'm not saying there's right or wrong reasons. I don't mean it to sound like that. They, they, they get they get married for complex reasons. They're they're under family pressure. They're under personal pressure one person's more invested than the yeah. other i think the marriage can expose the cracks like um you know turning the water up to full blast in the bath and you 100%, know oops, yeah. leaks start to go Pressure's and now up. one or both people feel the intense pressure to sort of you know right the ship and you can either go wrong or right and yeah. i'd say that as someone of my parents were divorced and um as remind you know i've i you know i've seen that but i just think the only thing it just comes down to like communication like you know you just you just talk and I feel like Kelly and I are way stronger now than we were when we first got married. Yeah. So, I mean, you just, you know, it is what it is. Trial by I fire. Mean, she man. still got one foot out the door. Yeah. But she doesn't have the obviously. car running most nights when we go to bed. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But she's got the automatic starter. Yeah. Yeah. It's push a start. So it's a little bit quicker. <laughs> All right. Mine. I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. No I'll, problem. I'll get Gareth offline. I'll, I'll give him a call separately <laughs> and uh, get his sound advice. I'm sure. Yeah. No, it'd be great. Um, okay. I'm not going to belabor this. This is more of a follow-up to a discussion we had a few weeks ago, which is the follow-up to an interview we did a few weeks before that. Jeez Louise. I know we had, 
the, the expanded Just Not Sports universe is is, is like it's like Marvel and Disney. Holy shit, now. we got spinoffs and subgenres <laughs> and all this stuff. All right. Um, we had Becky Sauerbrunn from the U.S. Women's Soccer Team came on, talked about loving sci-fi and fantasy. Then, if when the Ready, when the Ready Player One trailer broke mm-hmm. after Comic Con a few weeks ago, I emailed or I tweeted her and I was like, "What do you think?" You know, she's a huge fan of the of the book. We had a couple little back and forth debates about whether we thought the trailer lived up to it. Had some flaws in the trailer execution, whatever. Life moved on. I said then. The backlash. I was surprised at like some of the backlash. Yeah. So uh, that was really fierce and really immediate. And so I said I would revisit the book. So I have reread the book. Oh, I've not read the book. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a well-written book in the sense that if you want to go into it and just poke all the holes to the way it's written to... Uh, the, the 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 overall structure of the story to the cliches and the you know the problems with sort of the narrative beats, uh, you can have a field day. Yeah, I totally get that. But I think in reading the backlash and reading the book, it's kind of crystallized my opinion, which is just a, it's okay for something to just be fine. Okay. Yeah, it's fine for what it's trying to do. Yeah. And B. Everyone is goddamn insufferable all the time. <laughs> that is also true. And I was reading this backlash and being like, Brad, don't paint with such a broad brush on the internet <laughs> trolls, okay? Yeah. I was reading the backlash and I'm like, do we need a 6,000 word think piece on the dangers of nostalgia over a book that has as a central plot device pulling a whistle out of a box of Captain Crunch? It is not trying to be Moby Dick. Yeah. But here's what I found fascinating. <laughs> a lot of the stories go back and they cite the book got raves when it first came out six years ago. So Entertainment Weekly gave it an A and AV Club gave it a really positive review and it was on bestseller lists and it was on year-end best of lists. Mm-hmm. And that's how I heard about it because I think it was Entertainment Weekly that gave it a rave and was like, this is all about, if you grew up with this pop culture, you're going to love this book. Yeah. So what... First of all, has anything I was trying to think of something that has had more praise and then gone instantly to more hate faster. And the only other thing I could come up with was the movie Crash, which yeah. came out, got good reviews, won Best Picture, and immediately and after winning Best Picture, everybody says everyone was like, it's the worst movie sucked. to ever win Best Picture. It's terrible. Exactly. I remember that. And happening. it wasn't yeah. just that, like, oh, Shakespeare and Love shouldn't have beaten um, Saving, Private, Saving Ryan. Private Ryan. It was. That movie's awful. It's tone deaf. It's it's the worst thing you've ever seen. Yeah, it was a quick turn. This is like that. And it's not recovered. And here's what I'm wondering. Are the people who are piling on now, shouldn't they be looking at the high praise from before and saying, the that's the problem with what I'm doing now, is that you just it gets easy to just sort of feed the beast of this narrative. So the comic book com- or the trailer comes out and everybody hates it, or a lot of loud people hate it, and so now everyone's piling on. How is that any better than the thing comes out and everyone's piling on the praise? That's true. It's just like, I feel like what's happening is we have these insufferable waves of, of hype, and it becomes hard to just take a stance that's like, yeah, it's fine for what it is. 
Yeah. Like it's a, for, so, so for me, wouldn't you be, wouldn't you be interested as a, as a cultural critic to see what a filmmaker like Steven Spielberg can do with a flawed property that has an intriguing universe versus just saying, if you hated the book, get ready to hate watch this. Yeah. Like, can't you just go in it being like so with a slightly like, open mind, like the same way that you went into it with like Soderbergh doing Ocean's Eleven. There's no reason that movie needed to be good, but they found a way to make it work. Yeah. But it's now I feel like if, if that if now I feel like if that was coming out, people would be like hating all over it. Like this is Hollywood masturbation to the well, 10th degree. I feel degree. like this whole trend was with the with the all female stuff. There's an all female Ocean's whatever Ocean Eight or the Ghostbusters mm. thing or the you, you exa- Ghostbusters. They're making example. now like a. What they, they just did like a like an old, a sort of an old school style right. crazy night out. It was all female cast or something. Like, this this does not need to be what Ghostbusters, the, you know the, the 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 female version of Ghostbusters was. We don't need to make Ready Player One a critique on our cultural, like on on our cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, like it's a, this does not need to to tap into the dangers of nostalgia when I'm reading your hate watch thing right next to a, a Buzzfeed article in my feed. That's like 25 things that only kids who went to the nineties will understand. And it's a picture of a dude smoking on the toilet in his dorm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like just like let it go and just let's just see what happens. Now, what how, what would your feeling be if this criticism came out after the movie? That's the other problem. Is it all totally an, it's fine. all anticipatory? Okay, I it's all make like sure I'm clear. Things gonna suck if it came out and the movie's actually really bad or actually relies way too heavily on X, Y, and Z or is really tone deaf in its references. Then I feel like I could understand. Okay, let's go back to Ghostbusters two for a second. You mean the new one or whatever? Yeah, sorry, yeah, you're good. N- not the. I, Vigo, scourge of Carpathia, sorrow of Moldavia, command thee on a mountain of pain in a castle of blood. Uh, oh no, on a mountain of skulls in a castle of pain, I sat on a throne of blood. What was will be, what is will be no more. Brad's face right now is just pure, now pure, is pure joy. Now season of evil. Bring me a child so that I may live again. Dear Lord. All right. So, Not that one. Is that okay, what you're so saying? So here's where I'm leading to this. When we make these relatively... When we take a bag of jelly beans and make it Thanksgiving dinner, we elicit the type of crazy opinions that uh, that that obscure the fact that they were always jelly beans to start with. Ghostbusters 2 That's true. became an enormously huge cultural argument that lasted forever. Yeah. And it also was not a great movie. So at the end of it, if you just had the simple opinion that is, I didn't think the movie was very funny. It was hard for that opinion not to be like hyper politicized. Yeah. Because you were oh, just, just going to get drawn to one of the picking polls. Picking a side. Yeah. And again, I'm a free speech absolutist. So if you want to shred the book, by all means, shred the book. But I think what we see is like that has to tie into like the dangerous, like, is nostalgia going too far? Maybe, or maybe it was destined to be a bestseller. It was destined to be a movie and someone was going to buy it. Spielberg was like, I could make that. I made half the fucking movies that were in this. Yeah. And I'm going to make it kind of have fun. And I don't know that we have to build it up any more than it's already there. And I guess your point is it's fine to just say I didn't like the movie, but by the time that's coming out, it's almost like we already had the fight 
and no one even bothered to see if it was any good. 100%. Oh, the opinions are already going to be out in the open. And, and again, I don't see the book it, is, and it'll be like, it's good or it wasn't good. I but, don't think the book is great. I just read it again. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. But it's a, it's, a, it's a young adult novel that's just trying to have fun. Yeah. Don't blame. I don't know that we have to blame the book for how much it was well received at the time. And we don't have to blame the reception for why you you're an idiot if you don't want to hate if you don't want to hate it before you've even seen more than two and a half minutes of it agreed all right well no i think you're spot on you don't know my you don't know what my second one yeah, was let's do it how do you feel about steph curry playing golf <laughs> that's a good transition right what he was he played in a pga tournament did you see this i'm all for the two sports stars i am all in on this I think it's great. If he's good enough to play, I think I don't think he made the cut. Tony Romo's good, uh, tried to qualify for the U.S. Open a few times. Like if if he's good to play, play. It's the same thing we talked about. This is like a year ago with Tim Tebow trying to play baseball. If this guy wants to work hard and freaking achieve his dreams and get after it and find success, more power to him. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna and tear him down. If he doesn't have to work hard because they say just be a circus sideshow, that's not his fault. That's not his fault either. If you're gonna sell, you're gonna butt, put butts in seats and get people out on the golf course. So yeah, man. Anyways, I'm all, I'm all about Steph Curry playing. I'm all about all two sports stars. I want to see. I, I loved the day when when we name we another valued, one. Name any other two sport like there aren't any. There aren't not so much anymore. Although Norman Chad, a guest a few weeks ago, talked about that guy who's like the champion bowler and the champion um, not darts uh, horseshoe thrower. Oh damn! National champion bowler and horseshoe. Player. Which would be featured where, Brad? <laughs> ESPN at the Ocho. The Ocho. Are you come that's, on? That's that guy is their cycling oh back. My Joe God. Reed is the pro. Look, I the, back in the day though, you, you people forget now that it, there was a time when we really thought two sports stars were going to become a, a higher class of athlete. Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders were mega famous because they were two sports stars. Yeah. They also there were others. Brian Jordan. Like there were other dudes that were playing multiple sports back then. Now we're so specialized that these kids are, they, they don't even play two sports in high school anymore. But do you think that's, that is true. And that's, Michael prob- that's probably where you're losing basketball, it. even though Michael Phelps would have been the best basketball player at his school because he would have been the tallest guy at his school yeah. with a seven foot wingspan. Well, you hear about like Steve Nash could have gone professional in soccer and Roger Federer could have gone professional. And so like you hear these like potential, then I had to pick one. You got to put answer is probably no, because the other players are probably too good. Yeah, that's true. You got to put your eggs in one basket. Do you think if there was a successful, well, there's no way that's going to happen now. NHL players aren't even playing in the Olympics. There's no way. There's no way that somebody's, yeah, you can go play in the NBA and do whatever the hell you want. And in the NFL, that's not going to happen. Contracts are way way too rich. We're paying you $30 million a year, Tom Brady. There's no incentive. I mean, you've seen golf. I get, but you like, you've seen other athletes that like Jeff Samarja got drafted by the Cubs and out of Notre Dame. Oh yeah. Played football, played football, known more for football in college. Yeah. And there was always the threat that, and he got a no trade clause coming out of school because it was, um, he, if he didn't like what the baseball team was offering him, he was just going to go play football. Yeah. But like there was never a serious consideration that he was going to go play football or drew Benson, maybe the Michigan quarterback in the early two thousands, Went to go play baseball, then ultimately went back to the NFL and tried to make it as a quarterback and had blown it because he was so far behind. He never caught back. Uh, up. That's true. I love it, though, man. Look, I think I think I, it's great. I think more athlete, more top athletes should do non-contact second sports. So 
Golf what is a great is, example. Uh, golf is great. Or um, golf is a great example. Uh, uh, do darts. Do like, you know, do, show up and be the best ping pong player. That'd be cool, man. The only thing is, like, imagine can you Federer imagine Federer and Nadal at the ping pong table? That'd can you imagine sweet. Steph Curry throwing his back out playing golf? That would not be good. That would not be good. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, well, I just, I loved it. I thought, I saw it. I thought it was cool. I was like, you don't see that often. I want to see it more. I'm with you, buddy. Sweet. All right. Well, Joe, man, <laughs> it was great. We had you back. Oh, yeah. Let's shout out, let's shout out, uh, Shout out to our uh, our peeps, Gareth Hughes, Adam Millard. You'll hear from them next week. Um, and uh, and that's what is that? That that's it. Is I that think. the show? This is roll the outro. Should we man? just that's go it. back? Should I just talk about Ready Player One again for the fifth time in eight weeks? Yeah, I mean, I was going to get into a whole Easter eggs thing, and you're you want to talk about it because you're the pop oh, culture. Easter eggs? You mean like video game Easter eggs, or just like little like immediately after that trailer was released, there was like. So many Reddit threads about in this one frame, you can see this QR code on the thing of hood of this car and it takes you to the website and you can see Freddy Krueger and the car and four frames, the Christine car and the 18 van and all that shit. Okay, real quick. Let's end with shout out. Shout out your favorite Easter eggs or cheats from old video games. Oh, dang. I'll start. I'll shout out up, up, down, down. I was just going to say that up, down, A, B, but yeah, whatever. That's the same one. We both like that. Um, mm, mm, old video games. I'll shout out like some of those secret worlds in Mario that you could only find if you knew like Nintendo Power, like Mario, it? Mario, Mario One, Mario Three, where you'd kind of jump oh, up yeah, into the clouds yeah, yeah, yeah. and end up in a special room getting extra. How stuff. people discover that? I don't even understand. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. Nerd alert! <laughs> That's you. You're you're naming it right now. Yeah. I've read Ready Player One <laughs> twice, even though I need some mediocre book. I'm nerd the ultimate alert. nerd. All right, well, finally, we'll give some shout-outs to my boy Uzi, Def Jeff, Little Swanee. Oh, Ron Mack. No. Meech, baby. Meech. Can't forget Meech. Little Swanee, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. And in the immortal words of rapper extraordinaire Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers. Stay booty. Stay booty.